The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Do you ever tote your kids around in the back seat of the car, look in the rearview mirror and see that they've fallen asleep and they their necks have elongated and they're they're falling all over the back of the seat. And, you know, it's not just kids either. I mean, I've been known to do it myself on long car drives. But our guests today, Will Regan and Jason Ariola, who are the founders of Cardiff Products, have a solution called the Booster Seat Headrest. It's also been called the Travel Headrest. And they're here today to talk about that product. Welcome to the show today. How's it going? Hi. Glad to have you here. Let's hear about your entrepreneurial story. Did you develop this product because you saw the need for something like this in the marketplace? Or were you entrepreneurs at your core and knew you were going to develop something and this seemed like a good idea? How did this all come about? It it pretty Well, we pretty much didn't have any entrepreneurial, really, like any, you know, skill behind us really um we were like me and my brother-in-law were sitting around uh one night and we were thinking about you know what we we wanted to come up with something and you know and, and the funny thing is it, it came to us so fast because i have twin boys and they were like mm-hmm. uh five years old at the time and i and they experienced what we you were just talking about the noodle neck the head bobbing all over the place and <laughs> i would be driving i'd reach back push their head back up and then no matter in like five seconds later their head would be slouched over and I couldn't stand it. So um, I look, obviously I knew that there wasn't any, there was nothing like the product we created on the market. So when I first thought of the idea, we were like, yeah, let's, you know, I kind of had a, an idea of what I wanted to look like. So when me and Will started to say, hey, let's, let's prototype this, we decided like, hey, it started to, we thought of the adjustment portion of it and to make it, you know, accommodate users of all sizes. So really, yeah, it came from need and from experience of what, you know, my children were doing. Mm-hmm. So did you two know each other before, I guess? Yeah, or... we're, we're brother-in-laws. I'm married to Jason's sister. Okay, so it runs in the family here. Uh, and so the inspiration for the product was your own kids. So talk to us about how mm-hmm. it works. How, how does the product work? What does it look like? How does it work? Okay, well, it's it's pretty much two padded little headrests on each side of your head. It actually mounts to your vehicle's existing headrest. So as long as you have accessible poles that actually, you know, the headrest poles that go from the headrest to the actual seat, if you mm-hmm. can access those poles, then, then you can mount our headrest to the actual back seat. And we've we've had some adults use it in the passenger seat too, but obviously the kids that use this always sit in the back seat. Um, and it's it's very simple to use. And the, the beauty about the product is is that when you're not using it, all you do is push a button and flip it out of the way. You never have to really remove it when you're not using it and put it back on. So it's really convenient just to have it in place with the headrest arms up. So when you when you see your tire your your child starting to get tired, you can just go ahead and tell them, hey, you can you know go ahead and push the button and bring down the headrest and you know take a little nap. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's like one great you know 
aspect of our product. So, so the button is, well, I know it's a universal mount. And as you say, it can stay there permanently. It's not one of these things that you just kind of strap around the headrest. It's actually some hardware, right? Yeah. Simple hardware. Yeah. The push, yeah, the push button, it's actually spring loaded. So Mm -hmm. there's actually, there's uh, two gears inside the actual uh, snap clip component. So as you, there's 14 different adjustabilities and locking positions. So as you're, when, you know, there's that, you can find the perfect, you know, you can find the perfect height for that headrest to, to meet your, you know, the need of where you want to put your head. And when you not, when you don't, you know, when you're not using it, you can just lock it into, there's three locking points also that you can actually lock it out of, put in position out of the way, or actually lock it at a certain point that, you know, maybe for an adult to use. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's some, you know, there's a little bit of technology in it, so. Yeah, but as as you say, this is something that they it, they they kind of remind me of blinders on a horse, the way they they come out uh, to the sides. And so this isn't something that you leave open all the time or or on all the time. Uh, so when they're getting ready to fall asleep, as you said, the the parent or whoever the adult is in the car needs to tell the child to go ahead and and activate that. But otherwise, they lie flat against the the seat, right? Yeah, well, you know, see, for my kids, and, and you know, pretty much mm-hmm. the starting age for our product is about five years old, and you know, any any five year old already knows how to use it because it's very simple. Yeah, and the, the child can the child can push the button and find their right height for it and just use it, you know, whenever they like. So even though, and the the, the thing that we learned, you know, through the few years that you know we've been R and Ding, and it's only and our product's only been on the market for ten months now, is that the kids. They don't only like to use it just for falling asleep, but, you know, when you're in a car and you like to just doze off and just lean your head up against something mm-hmm. or even block the mm-hmm. sun block the sun out of your face when you're driving around, they use it for that. So I'll catch my son's just not going to sleep, but just <laughs> having that headrest down and it's just kind of a comfort thing where they can just rest their head and just kind of doze off and just look out the window. Yeah, and what a, what an added value that it blocks the sun, too. It's funny how you develop things and then the users find additional uh, benefits from it. And so so to have a, a sun blocker is also good because that's another thing with kids. They get cranky when the sun's in their eyes when you're traveling. So this is this is a solution for that, too. You've talked, uh, you've referenced a little bit about R&D, about getting the product to market, you know, the the prototype that you had to develop. How did all of that work? How did you go from idea to marketplace and how long did that take you? Well, the first thing we did was search. Uh, we hired a patent attorney and, and searched the, the legal avenues to make sure we didn't infringe on anybody, make sure we didn't go too far down the path that somebody else had gone down. Um, after those preliminary searches, we hired an industrial designer that could do CAD work and 3D drawings. Uh, we worked back and forth with him on exactly how we wanted to work and function. And then there's local, uh, here in Southern California, and I'm sure all over the states, there's there's prototyping houses that have different processes um, through new technologies to sample one-off pieces. And we went through several rounds of sampling these one-off pieces. And as each of these rounds went through, we'd refine it and make changes, go back to drawing, then make a new prototype. Um Try it out with the kids, make sure we liked it, and uh, and go through different tests. Mm-hmm. And okay, so you went through different tests, and then it's time to manufacture this product for market. How did you go about finding a manufacturer and actually getting it to market? Well, to be honest, we kind of just used our networks. We talked to friends and other entrepreneurs that had 
spent time developing other products that may have some similarities, or um, we ended up getting advice from our um, from our engineer. He had some different factories he's worked with, and so just basically networking through through friends and family and, and coworkers and colleagues to find out um, the best source. And then we we quoted it out with several companies, found what we felt was a competitive quote, and uh, not only that, but somebody that could really support us as we as we launched this and made our decision. Right. How, how many did you start with? We started out, we wanted to test this. We started out with 500, and uh, you know now we're ordering an increment of 5,000. Wow. So you've been out there 10 months, and uh, you've gone from more than uh, 100 times more uh, in your orders. And what's the reception been like? It's, you know, it's been fantastic. It's, it's a difficult market in, in, in some areas, you know. I mean, it's it's a children's product, and so there's um, kind of a changing marketplace in the retail environment. It's done really, really well online um, and, and in stores as well. But it's, the market has kind of changed there, and so it, there used to be this large demographic of independent retailers, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of them across the states. And unfortunately, those are shrinking, and a lot more sales are going through online channels and through just larger chain stores. Right. What are you retailing this for? It retails for forty nine ninety nine. Okay, so a very yeah, reasonable price point. Yeah. yeah. It, and going back to this, is is it a pretty lightweight piece of equipment? Yeah, the whole unit weighs about, I, I believe, about two point eight pounds to be exact. Yeah, so about <laughs> two point eight pounds. Yeah. Okay, so 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 very lightweight, very portable. You can yeah. move it from one car to the yeah. other very easily if you needed oh, to. Yeah, very simple to install. Yeah. So lot lots of convenience features that can encourage people to buy it. In addition to making your kids happier in the car, and you know you mentioned something too about turning around and trying to push your kid's head up, and so that eliminates you having to take your eyes off the road. So there's a safety benefit to this as well. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Sure. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be talking with Will and Jason about some of the marketing tactics they've used, how they got this funded, and some other things that they had to go through in order to get the booster seat headrest to market. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. It's the smartest party of the year. Thinking Bigger Business Media will turn a spotlight on some of the city's most innovative and forward-thinking entrepreneurs with its annual Smart Companies to Watch Party Thursday, December 4th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Downtown Marriott Hotel. Hors d'oeuvres, including a carving station, and drinks will be served. Sign up for this year's party today at ithinkbigger.com. That's Thinking Bigger Business Media's annual Smart Companies to Watch Party, December 4th. Register at ithinkbigger.com today. Your product outshines the competition, so why aren't you outselling them? You're meeting sales projections, but the bottom line just isn't what it should be. Technology is changing rapidly and impacting your ability to perform. Something needs to change, but you just can't put your finger on what. I'm Patrick Shore, your host at The Hut, where we tackle these and other issues. 
The hut is a safe place where we can explore what it takes to not only stay in front of the competition, but make it irrelevant. So come on in, kick off your shoes, and join the conversation every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio Network. The Hut, your path to a stronger, thriving, profitable business. Good morning. Welcome back to Mark Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here today with Will Regan and Jason Nariala, who are the co-founders of Cardiff Products and their big product out 10 months on the marketplace, selling like hotcakes, is the booster seat headrest. And sometimes it's called the travel headrest. But as we uh, heard in the first half of the show, this is a device that you can put over the headrest in your car. It's a very simple universal mount, and your kids' heads don't bobble back and forth when they fall asleep. It protects them from the sun, all kinds of things that make the journey a little bit more pleasant. So you got this to market. How did you go about letting people know it was out there? You mentioned that it's in a few retail stores, but a lot of your business is coming through the Internet. But but how did you make people aware of it? Well, it's an ongoing challenge, really. I mean, marketing kind of never ends. But for us, um, you know, we just started within the industry. And so we met uh, we met Mindy of uh, – there's a company called Boogie White. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but uh, it's been a very highly successful product. And Mindy – helped connect us to a, a friend of hers who had a, uh, a PR company. And so this marketing PR company handles things like um, press releases for us. Uh, they have a great network within the children's product industry, so they get write-ups in different magazines. They can call editors that, uh, that they know really well themselves. So that kind of a connection and picking the correct fit for your brand as it's growing um, is, is really important. And it's, it may seem like a very uh, expensive a part of your brand building and uh, kind of a black hole of marketing in a way. You're throwing dollars at something that you don't see a, that's see a tangible result. But it becomes very, um, very important because without anybody knowing about great products, we all know there's thousands of them out there. Without knowing about it, nobody knows to go buy it. And so then then it fails. So for mm-hmm. us, um, having the correct PR fit was, was really important. Yeah, it's it's not simply a matter of if we build it, they will come. You have to get that word out. Uh, have you ever thought about, uh, and now, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you some advice here. I don't know whether you've done it or not. But have you ever thought about hooking up with uh, or, or making the information available through people who work with families with children, for example, uh, doctor's offices or uh, uh, daycare centers? Do you have brochures or literature that you place in those areas? We, we don't, but you're right. I mean, it, there's so many avenues to reach parents. And, um, you know, obviously parents that have, you know, young children like this are, are heavy on social media, uh, but they're, you're right, they're in doctor's offices. They're also in, you know, they're in schools. We've done some things through some local schools. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been on some local news stations, um, you know, on TV trying to get, trying to get the word out. And so, you know, all those things, and even, you know, we're in Sky Mall magazine that gets viewed by about a million and a half people every day. Oh yeah. So every different avenue, they all kind of add up to a work to product awareness. Right, and, and that's something that people who are starting out forget about are the partnerships that they can form, the strategic relationships that they can form, and you, you can help your partner out. They can help you out because you have 
products or services that are compatible. So I was just curious if you had tapped into that. One of the things I've noticed as you've been talking is that you have not been afraid to tap professionals. You went out and you hired somebody to do your PR for you. You hired an attorney to check out the patent. You you networked and found uh, you know manufacturer. You paid money to these professionals, and I know I've skipped some in there, but you paid money to these professionals instead of uh, making the mistake that so many startups do, trying to do everything themselves. Of course, this takes money. How did you get your funding? How have you made sure that you can pay all these people and get this product to market and now market it now that it's to market? Yes. Yeah, well, the day we thought of this product, we knew we had something. So going that route, hiring attorneys and doing it the right way was the most important thing to us. And luckily, you know, as far as funding goes for the company, we, you know, we're very lucky to have our families, you know, back us the whole way, you know, so that's pretty much where our funding comes from. It's just our family. Mm-hmm. We so, don't have any venture. Yeah, we have no outside, you know, no venture capitalists or anything like that. It's just, this is all, this is all family. Yeah, we've yeah. done it on a very shoestring budget. Yeah. You know, we make decisions that are um, financial decisions that are within our budget, within our reach, and we, we kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're, we came up with a plan at the beginning on how much we wanted to spend and how deep we wanted to go and. Uh, we're trying to follow that plan. Mm-hmm. Well, and they say there's three sources of, of funding, and that's family, friends, and fools for startups. And so your family yeah. sounds like they've, they've really stepped up to that. And as you said, you yeah. put a budget together. You put a you put a financial projection together. Most startups make the um, error of underestimating expenses and overestimating revenues. Uh, how are you falling in that spectrum? Did are Have you been pretty much on target with your projections? I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say like we were like on point. Sure, you know, um, there, you know, we're a little heavy here or a little light there. But I mean, as far as actually like we we haven't had any really sticker shock in anything. We've been pretty prepared and we've done our due diligence and know like what things are going to cost. And you know, as far as like we don't overinflate what we think we can sell per month. You know, we we pre, we keep it pretty reasonable, and we always shoot low because then if we go high, then we're like we're all happy. But if you shoot high and base off your next move, base your next moves off what you think you're gonna sell, then that's when you can get into a little bit of trouble. So, mm-hmm. you know, as far as me, we we're, we're pretty, you know, you know, we 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 our decision, our decision making, we we're pretty like, you know, I would I don't know what word you would use, but we're pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, conservative yeah. and safe. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and that brings me to another question. Uh, pricing products. People who've been in business for years still have problems figuring out what price point to offer their product at. How did you come up with yours? You know what? We just did some research in the market looking at what other products are selling for that are you know, in the same realm and the same, in the same uh, you know, children's product world. That was part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Another part of it too has to be based on you know what your costs are. You, we have to launch a product that has the ability to have profit in it, and not a small amount of profit because things like marketing, things like uh, distribution and, and 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 warehousing, you know, all of these things add up. And so without enough margin, if you start out too tight on a margin, it's really hard to raise a price. And so mm-hmm. we wanted to find a price that we felt could sustain the company, could sustain the, the lifetime of the product. Sure. And and the, the other thing is, what about your future? Do you have more products that you're thinking about developing? Do you hope to perhaps sell this one product to some larger company? What are you, what are you thinking there? Well, I, yeah, uh, 
we actually do have one product that's in the works now. We're looking at we're looking to launch early next year, and it's actually almost the exact same concept, but a different mounting system for the airline. So now you'll you'll ah. be able to have this this type of headrest for you know for the airlines. And you know the yeah the number one question we got was like you know all the trade shows we've gone to you know throughout the states they ask do you have this for the airlines? And we always knew in the back of our head like one day we you know we want to make this for the airlines, but the demand and the questions, I mean, we were, we we're constantly being asked, like, we need to move now, you know, mm-hmm. strike while the iron's hot. So we're, so yeah, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're in a few stages of getting there. So we, we're looking at early next year to actually have that available for retail, you know, for the airlines. Yeah. Right now you have to take, I mean, I fly all the time. You have to, and I don't have one of these, but I see people with those little pillow things that they put around their neck. And I just feel like those are more hassle than they're probably worth. What kind of lessons have you learned throughout this? You said you weren't entrepreneurs by nature. You didn't really have any entrepreneurial role models. Yet here you are uh, being entrepreneurs. So what what have you learned along the way? Yeah, I'd say one of the biggest things you learn is patience. You know, you might want something to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, and, and it takes time to develop, uh, you know, your strategy. And so I'd say that's one of the biggest things you learn is just to be patient and, and then two, just come up with a plan and, and, and make sure your plan makes sense and then follow that plan, you know, cause you get stuck sometimes spending time doing, um, you know, the wrong things that you realize aren't actually making the company progress or aren't, aren't driving sales or aren't driving what you need to do. So you, you can get wrapped up in the wrong things. So come up with a plan, stick with that plan, uh, modify it as, as need be, but uh, coming up with a plan and, and and uh, and truly trying to follow it um, has been a key for us. Yeah, I would say patience would probably be the number one thing. You know, is just the patience. You know, because you you know the excitement is there, and you think, wow, when this thing is ready to ship, it could you know it could get crazy. But you have to always know that you know it's patience. You're you're launching a new product that's never existed. It's a startup, so it's time to go to work and grind every day to get the word out. You know, and it's fun. You know, it's fun mm-hmm. to know like when you ship every day, like someone out there that an idea you thought about that that's never just like people actually are buying your products. So that, that was, that's pretty cool for us as we ship, like people want our products now. Yeah. That has to be a cool feeling. Uh, they say that there's a million billion, whatever number you want to pick great ideas out there, but the difference between the ones that say ideas and the ones that become successes like yours is the execution. It's, it's being able to act on them. And that's obviously what you've done. It's gone from your head to somebody's car to somebody's child, uh, not having uh, the issue with their head bobbling around, and pretty soon airline passengers as well. So congratulations on all your success uh, in the short time that you've been at this. How would somebody go about finding your product? Well, the best place to go is either to cardiffproducts.com or search online in places like Amazon, Babies R Us, Bye Bye Baby, and some of the other finer retailers. All right, and they can go directly to your website as well, cardiffproducts.com? Absolutely. Yeah, that's cardiff, C-A-R-D-I-F-F, products.com. Have a great day, guys. Great. Thanks. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit us at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.